Welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, a podcast described as the squishy heart at the centre of Enterprise IT. The service continues uninterrupted despite Zach being absent this week. As, as we said, it's a redundant array of independent hosts and we keep your podcast coming no matter what. What's the US Postal Service motto? Help me out, Americans. <laughs> Rain and sleet and, and, and nothing that applies to the summer holidays. We will continue to deliver your mail. I'm paraphrasing. Definitely. Yeah, they, they did calculate through pandemics and uh, being locked up at home looking after children. And there should be an extension to that. Especially these days. Definitely these days. Yeah. For sure. By the, by the way, I'm Canadian. I don't understand the Postal Service delivering mail on Saturday. So it's always a shock when I see them here in the U.S. I, I feel yeah. like that should have worn off already. Mm, nope nope they still deliver <laughs> mail on saturday and you know amazon packages on sunday so the shock not the mail mike <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no, mike and his dog both waiting at the door <laughs> shouting no at the no, no but, but but seriously because the postal office will like the, there'll be postal trucks driving in the neighborhood on sunday and you're like what are they doing here and they're dropping off amazon packages like literally i don't know if that might, might, might not happen in the northeast but definitely happens here Oh, well, huh, here, here you get Amazon packages dropped off by independent contractors on Sunday. And it always freaks me out uh, because it's like, why are you delivering on Sunday? A, I'm not here. B, you probably shouldn't be uh, either. And it's, uh, it's, it's really weird. And I wish they'd give you the option of saying, look, it's not urgent. Uh, it would be fine if you just delivered on Monday. I think you can. You can have the sort of your Amazon day and have everything show up on Wednesday yeah. if that's what you want. Yeah. yeah, and I think they do that so that you reduce like the amount of boxes, the amount of this. So you, you can pick an Amazon day and then they all show up on that day. But then if you're expecting something two days, like you're waiting, like, no, it doesn't make sense. Just, But I guess that's the environmentally friendly. Yeah. You, you know, Dominic, one of the big shocks from when I moved from Canada to the US is in Canada, we would have to sign for all packages arriving at our homes uh, because of this thing called theft. But uh, here in the US, they just drop off stuff at your front door. It was like the biggest shock when I moved here that they just like drop it off at your front door and leave it there and no one takes it. So that's yeah. why you have porch pirates. Have you seen those videos <laughs> of the guy who makes the glitter packages? Yes, absolutely yes. fantastic. <laughs> I strongly endorse that kind of sabotage. Also glitter is evil for multiple yeah. reasons. It turns out I think it's killing the oceans or something. There used to be a service uh, many years ago that uh, sent glitter to your enemies precisely yeah. for that reason. I think, that, <laughs> I think that's still around. I think that's still available to you. Sprinkler glitter on everything. We know what you get to get you, Lilac. We know what to get you. You're all dead to me. I actually <laughs> refuse to have glitter in my house and I have an eight-year-old and it has been a concerted effort to keep the glitter out of my home. That is what we pay educators for. Oh Handle all the glitter. Clean up the glitter. That's right. Well, coming to tech for a moment. Uh, recurring topic on this podcast, the chip shortages and how they affect all sorts of unexpected things. Uh, well, this week it's affecting some very expected things. A bunch of companies uh, warned in their earnings that they were starting to run into issues and they were hoping to be able to maintain supply, but basically giving out early warnings that the holiday season might be affected. Uh, Microsoft called out a decline, Samsung called out a decline, Tesla, uh, Mike, <laughs> called out an issue, and uh, all sorts of uh, semiconductor manufacturers uh, were also in the news. 
Pat Gelsinger at Intel is saying still one or two years to turn around and completely catch up with the demand. This uh, disruption is still continuing from those supply chain changes last year. I, it's, it's, I, I think uh, Intel is accurate there. I, I, I don't think this is going to clear up anytime soon. I think this is a multi-year um, issue to resolve. Uh, what's interesting is you see a lot of these, I think it was Ford who announced that they're, they're switching up uh, provider. Um, so a lot of them are starting. It, it feels like every contract is up for negotiation, is up for um, looking at it. And I think the scary part is when Apple starts to say that they're going to get affected. So yeah, the Christmas season, yeah, the holiday season. Yeah, let's see what it really means. But um, yeah, it's just a different supply chain woe. So um, it'll continue. It'll continue. Yeah, so maybe I won't be getting that Apple monitor this year either, and then I'll, I guess I'll have to do something. You're never to... getting it, Dominic. It's never no. going to happen. And I, happen. I, I think I might have mentioned this last time, but there are some, um, yeah, some manufacturers are, are not even quoting servers. I, I won't name the one who, who won't quote us, but yeah, I won't quote servers because they don't know when it's going to deliver. They don't know if it'll, they, they just cannot commit, cannot commit. That is an extremely aggressive move for a sales team, right? Because you've got a group of people. If you take stuff out of the price book like that, that's that's going to change the dynamic, right? And people will go look for for different jobs and so forth. Like it just and walking into Q four, that just feels wow. And bold. cloud keeps and cloud keeps growing. Cloud cloud keeps growing. Yeah. Well, they obviously have a source of servers and chips on the back end that nobody knows about that is being developed out of a fab in an island in the Caribbean that nobody is aware of. I thought it was Jeff Bezos' orbital factory. (laughs) (laughs) There's a joke there, but I just feel like it probably would make trigger the warning, content warning on this. Yeah, Yeah, that purple light is flashing again. (laughs) Okay, well, speaking of Apple, though, uh, they've been in the news again was they announced these new features. Uh, so all the trigger warnings apply, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to scan for child sexual abuse material. So it was The Verge who first, uh, at least as far as I could see, who first reported this. And so there were three things going on here, as I understand it. Uh, the first and the thing that got most people worked up is they're going to be scanning photos on device looking for known child sexual abuse material. So they have a database of them and they're going to look for hashes that match known materials on people's iPhones on device. So it's not, it's, so it's not kind of detecting or trying to analyze. So, so in other words, they're, they're going to take a library that they already have and see if you have anything in that library on your device. Correct. The the AI ML component is going to be trying to match, uh, to find close matches for that hash. So the example they gave was being able to match a grayscale version of an image that's in the database only in color, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, So being able to cast a slightly wider net and identify variations on the image. But yes, it's going to be looking for known images in a certain database. With respect to this dream, doesn't that create a very strong market for new images? Well, exactly. So let's uh, save the objections because there there are two more things. Uh, So the other is for people who are members of a family uh, in the Apple device management group and who are below the ages of 13, if 
a machine learning component, this one straight machine learning, detects images that it believes are involving nudity or generally salacious content, it will flag those to the registered parent of the group. And so that's a, a slightly different situation. Hmm. And what this what this boils down to for me, and, and yeah, Apple then published a blog post in which they explained their position a bit more. The EFF published their blog post uh, in which they took major issue uh, with with all of this, and it's it's a, a little bit complicated because it's, it was pointed out by many people. There's a lot of the big social media networks already do this kind of thing. Like if you try to transmit, if you try to share this type of material over Twitter or Facebook or what have you, it already gets scanned and intercepted by mechanisms that are very similar. And I think this goes to the bottom of the fact that we don't currently have very good definitions for online activity. We only have analogies with offline activities. So as long as you think of, by analogy, Facebook, if I publish my Facebook profile, that's like publishing a newspaper, a newsletter, a zine, and putting that out in public, th then it's okay for the government to be looking at the content of my Facebook profile. And if I say something in a private telephone call, that's not fair game for the government to just go and snoop up all private telephone calls on the off chance that someone's uh, discussing, you know, taking out a mob hit or whatever. And... Now online, we have this third category of things, such as iCloud, for instance, that don't really fit neatly into either of those two buckets. Uh, from one hand, you could look at iCloud as it's purely a backup of my personal photos, my personal device, stay out of my personal device. But from another, you can have shared galleries in iCloud, you can share material very easily that lives in iCloud. It's, it's not quite public, but it's not quite private. It's in this weird other category and certainly facebook for instance said that a lot of the the material that they find these days they they've been at this for a lot longer than apple is actually in facebook messenger people are exchanging this in one-to-one -one, uh chats so it's a very very complicated issue and of course the final piece is people are saying you know what happens when this gets into the hands of the government of China or India or Belarus, who isn't going to look at it for just child sexual abuse material, which I believe and hope everyone within range of my voice can agree is a bad thing that should be eradicated, but wants to look at uh, anyone uh, objecting to, you know, Viktor Lukashenko's dealings or the plight of the Uyghurs uh, or anything involving Kashmir. And I've now got myself on many, many watch lists. <laughs> you have, you have. You really have. You know the sorry, this is a hard, so so such a complex. Pro, like, I I would love to be there in Apple as they're discussing whether to do this, not do this, what their reasoning is, why, and and so on and so forth. Is it like a request? How how, how did we get here? Right? There's so many questions on, on on that side. I think the 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 scary part here is Apple has always been like the shining star of privacy. Like, this is my device. They're not going to allow people to track me, not going to allow this, not going to allow that. Like, if you want privacy, it's Apple. And now doing this, I think it puts a lot of questions as to, hey, is this my phone and is everything on it mine? Or is somebody else kind of going to look at it? Because it's, 
it's the slippery slope and it's the place like, yeah, all Americans go to. It's like, okay, this happens now. What's next? And what's next? And and then it's like, okay, now my phone is not so private and they could look at everything. And, you know, we know they can, but how's this going to work? I, I think that, you know, there's going to be some backlash somewhere and something's going to go wrong somewhere. And then we'll, we'll see how they handle it. But it's, yeah, I, I don't like the idea. But then again, the overall idea around it is, is, is good, right? So it's, it's, it's tough to argue one way or the other. I don't know what you guys think here. I mean, I feel as though, firstly, I, I, I do think that my earlier objection stands. If you're going to track it against existing libraries, all you're doing is cre- deprecating the existing libraries and creating a market for new libraries. And so then you're in a, some sort of arms race for net new content, which I don't really like the fact that this whole model increases the value of new content, right? In some le- at some level, I would prefer it if it increased the value of old content because that would imply no further abuse happened, right? The, the second thing that that is positive, I think, in my mind, I'm just going to call this out, is that they're not trying to deploy machine learning in this way. What we learned from Instagram and from Facebook is that when we deploy AI and machine learning against these problems very, very broadly, what you end up getting is all the breastfeeding photos disappearing. What you end up getting is just a lot of stuff that basically reflects a cultural bias of a very specific group of individuals and a whole bunch of humans on earth have to go and fight for their right to post a picture of their foot because somebody has decided that it's inappropriate. And like, it, it, I understand the point of it, but I also understand that these things are often trained very, very badly and in ways that are, are usually biased. Um, so that's, I guess, good. Um, but I'm, I, I'm with you, Mike. Like the idea that my phone is not mine, right? I'm, a, I'm an active user of Signal with exploding messages and the deep hope that that thing disappears and that nobody will ever be able to find it. And not because it's necessarily legally a problem, but because honestly, does anybody want to hear that I said that? Like, and so, like I, I just feel very much like um, this encroaches upon privacy and this fear of what I'm holding in my hand right now. How public is that thing? But on the other hand, you know, to Dominic's point, child abuse bad, right? Like unilaterally. <laughs> so I don't know. I just feel like they're going to fall back on this as a tool and not a moral situation. And that's not going to be a really useful argument for all the points associated with the um, uh, political uses for it and so forth. Yeah. Several people have said it's a pity that we fall back on the slippery slope as the, the first rebuttal to these types of situations. But in this case, I think it is actually appropriate because we have the example in the UK where a bunch of ISPs were mandated to build content filters initially with a very narrow scope. And then they were asked to broaden that scope. They took that, uh, that request to court and appealed the initial judgment, and it went all the way to, to the highest court in the land. And the judgment was basically, well, you already built the tool, so it's super easy to add this new definition, go do it. So that's literally slippery slope uh, in action. And you know you can easily see that uh, being extended in all sorts of different ways and it's a it's a very complicated topic also when you look at it internationally right now this is only being rolled out in the u.s which is fascinating by the way how the u.s ends up first on this list by the way yeah i'm fairly certain that 
this type of mechanism wouldn't fly in the EU, uh, given our, right. uh, our laws. Privacy rules. Exactly. But, do you uh, think it might have been catalyzed in the US? Like, do you think there's a possibility that... Oh, the- very, very explicitly. They, there's a fascinating explanation, and unfortunately it seems to be... Um, so Casey Newton, a journalist, he runs a mm-hmm. newsletter called Platformer, and this is a paid issue, so I myself have not read it because I already subscribe to more newsletters than I have time to read in my day. But he did publish some quotes and excerpts to Twitter, and he's saying this came directly from pressure that was being applied to Apple by various U.S. organizations for the protection of children, and that Apple may have done this with the safeguards they were able to build in as a least bad option, lest they be forced to do something worse by legislation so that could also be an angle that this is just part of apple's ongoing wrangles over privacy with the u.s government and that it should not be taken too broadly elsewhere oh we shall see apple's already caved to to governments in other countries on other topics so it's um it's an uncharacteristic move from apple though with all of their recent marketing over privacy i think the the oops spot is still running on TV. Uh, if you haven't seen it, so we'll put the YouTube link in the show What's notes. TV? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this thing going on you may have heard of where various people run around and jump, and I believe they're doing it in Japan this year for some reason. Um, I personally don't follow it, but other people <laughs> in my life do, and that's on terrestrial TV with ad breaks. How fascinating. I experienced it on, on, on Instagram, and I, I think I saw someone hurling a large javelin yesterday. Very weird. Very good. The Italians did very well at the walking, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, both the, the men and the women. I can't the watch women. that. It's very they, they walked. They walked very fast, <laughs> and they waved we their arms. We will not break into a run. We cannot be bothered. <laughs> but, no, uh, the, the, the oops commercial is someone using their their iPhone and a bunch of physical people are following them around and snooping on what they do uh, until they activate the privacy protection and all the people mm-hmm. pop like balloons. Uh, it's a uh, you know, typical Apple commercial style, high production values, kind of amusing and very ironic in the light of this thing. Uh, it's uh, a good, valid goal, thin end of the wedge, possibly. Maybe just something that because they haven't actually launched this thing. They're saying they'll set it up later in the year. We can assume the EFF and other similar parties will try to stop it. So maybe they're hoping someone takes it to court and uh, the battle gets fought out and they can, whichever outcome it is, just say, hey, this is what we were told to do. We're doing it. You think this is uh, the US forcing them uh, to build it in to reestablish uh, part of the like um, US intelligence apparatus after like uh, Snowden destroyed it all or am I being <laughs> too conspiracy uh, theorist there that was pretty good yeah that was that was good I like it you drew from past history you drew internationally <laughs> I love it I love it if you're gonna do this do it right <laughs> I mean I mean seriously I mean you know I I wouldn't put it past like hey let's let's put in something in to all technology and like, Hey, this is the start and let's go. I I mean, the other thing I think of, like, as we talk about this, the the thing I think of is like, are people really going to dump their iPhones for an Android device? Cause let's face it. in 
in the Western world, there's only two choices. It's either you have an Android or you have an Apple device. And the the truth of the matter is like, man, there's no privacy on Android. I mean, they're going to sell you ads. I mean, you're being tracked. You're being... So no, I don't think somebody's going to switch, but maybe people will switch. I, I don't know. I, I think the real, like, if anybody is thinking of developing a phone with a third-party OS, this is this is the opportunity now, right? It's and, the year of Linux on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's bring back Balmer to, to to Microsoft and make it happen. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah. You know what we could use? There's a bunch of Zune devices somewhere. We could just pull those out. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're. Amazon Actually, maybe played, someone like, should remake the, the old Nokia phones. Remember that a oh, couple of years ago at Mobile World Congress, that was <laughs> all the rage that there, someone had done a, a, re, a, a resto mod of, of one of those, but it was actually an Android device underneath, so everyone quickly mm-hmm. lost interest. But they should do like, the actual original one. Plus, imagine what sort of battery life those things would get with modern battery tech. It'd mm-hmm. go for months. And triple tap texting is so efficient. Yeah, and Snake. Don't forget Snake. <laughs> But, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it is a possibility now. I mean, I, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I feel yeah, like it's who's going to dump it. So obviously anybody who's got um, uh, the the problem content on their phone probably is already operating on burner phones and all sorts of other hacks, right? They just aren't, they'll move their business elsewhere. And I'm sure there's more elsewhere in the world than any of us can possibly conceive of, right? And so they're going to go and, and route through four VPNs in Guadalajara and by the end of it, get their job done, right? That's always the case. That arms race continues. And so then the question is what percentage of the of the sort of, um, shall we say, morally upright universe is just going to be offended by the spyware that they perceive as coming out of Apple in here? And honestly, we're like a freaking frog in a pot of boiling water with respect to the surveillance that we're willing to undertake in our lives. We like It would be, to me, honestly, a little hypocritical to drop my phone and then sit there staring at an Alexa device in my house, which I don't have because fuck that noise. And like that idea that like somebody, like you're willing to let Amazon sit in your living room with you, but this phone, this is a line. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you... You probably don't want to know how many Alexa devices I have in my home, but well, they better not be listening to me right now, Mike. (laughs) She is like a fifth family member. I mean, Alexa lives with us, so yes, Alexa is great. Yeah. Oh God. All right. If she's number five ahead of the dog. Um. (laughs) Yeah, ahead of the dog. Ahead of the dog. Yeah. Who's sleeping by my side right here? So yeah. I'm sure she's far more useful than the dog. Um, The dog is cute, (laughs) but anything like my dog, they just pooped on the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, Alexa, I've never had to pick up her poop. There you go. So yeah, I mean, the, the thing with all of this is, um, the three of us are now old enough that we've done this before. The, the various iterations, even of the crypto battles, have already been fought, and with the same arguments each time, and nothing really changes. And there was an XKCD. There's an XKCD for everything. Of course. Uh, talking about the the host pipe problem in crypto. As nerds think, oh, I'm going to have this unbreakable crypto and everything's going to be steganographically hidden away in a secret unmounted partition of my hard drive. And so the secret services may bust down my door, but they won't get my secrets. And of course, what the secret service does is just gets a rubber hose and hits you around the head until you hand over the key. It's, it's not very complicated. The, the idea that uh, I've already seen it floating around that 
repressive governments will deliberately insert images into this database to entrap dissidents. That's not what's going to happen. They'll just snatch the dissidents and, you know, ground airplanes straight out of the sky. That's already happened. <laughs> That's already <laughs> happening, yeah. And it's, uh, they're not waiting for Apple to do this. So, Perhaps that's all that will happen. It will remain a tool mostly for good. And if that's what happens, I mean, there is the the optimistic world in which, whatever the stats are, but uh, 10% of humanity will steal anything that's not nailed down. 10% wouldn't take a, an overstuffed wallet that's left on the sidewalk. And so you fight the battle for the hearts and minds of the remaining 80%. So if this makes it so that more of the 80% don't uh, go in that direction and don't, you know, explore dubious, morally dubious areas uh, of human sexuality, then perhaps that's uh, a worthwhile trade-off. And perhaps it's not, and we'll look back on this moment 10 years from now <laughs> when we've all reverted to using analog Polaroids because we can't trust anything. I don't, how do I put this? I think that the, the, the integrated system of child sex abuse and the pictures around it, and people who know this better than all of us combined will tell you that you've got, there's an entire market economy ecosystem thing there. And I would ask, I would question, I'd be interested in their opinions on whether or not sticking the, um, the, the stopper in this particular piece of that ecosystem is going to create the impact and the outcome that they're looking for. And whether what is the kind of recourse or the kind of next steps that would actually have an impact on that market, right? And I mean, I hate to treat it with so coldly as a market, but it is a market. There's, there's, there's yeah. product, there's sales, there's profit, there's customers. And so and then the question is... there incentives to be active. There's incentives. Yeah. I mean, it's dark and horrible, but it's true. And so I wonder um, whether, like, what is the kind of back-end incentive or disincentive that comes on the back of this? If Apple spits out a list of offenders and hands it to the FBI or the local cops, if the cops don't take action on that, maybe it doesn't freaking matter, right? If all that's happening is the picture is being deleted and that's such an inconvenience, how much does that matter? The, the question to me is the downstream impact on the ecosystems. Um, and I, I don't think we're in any position to evaluate that, but I will be curious to see what folks that are would say. Yeah. And th that's the, the enterprise angle of all this, because this might have sounded very consumery, but the enterprise angle is that this sort of thing makes its way back upstream. And so the likes of my employer, MongoDB. MongoDB makes a database with some pretty hardcore encryption features. And a, people could potentially use these things for evil. Uh, we don't know. We have a bunch of government customers who presumably not and who require those features to be there. It's uh, it, it, Encryption is never a clear-cut thing. We want encryption for our credit card transactions and we want encryption that we can break when there's a terrorist or a child predator or whatever on the other end of it and you almost never get to have both you have to you have to make a choice and this it is opens, a move. yeah it it opens a back door you know and and now there's a there's a back door okay with a purpose but there's a back door and and that's i think the the issue that a lot of people have is like, man, you're going to punch a, 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 you know, a back door and, and, mm -hmm. you know, okay, you might not use it, but 
somebody Someone might will. find a way to exploit it and 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 that's where the real the real issue is, right? So Do you not yeah. think there was a back door already? I mean, I understand that they've been saying that there isn't a back door, but I'm I'm curious. Like I, maybe because I'm so cynical, I always believed that there was always a back door. Oh, there is a back door. So this only this mechanism only applies to photos uploaded to iCloud. And iCloud backups are already not encrypted. If you want an encrypted backup of your iPhone, you have the option of doing a local backup to a computer on your LAN. And uh, that's something that more paranoid slash privacy conscious uh, people do. And the problem there is, I don't believe it's... So it's, it's not encrypted because I don't believe there are facilities for automated scanning of that. Uh, and this provides the... Because Apple has quite rightly been reticent and unwilling to develop such features. Uh, this is, if you accept for a moment that this is something that had to happen, Apple has done the most Apple-y privacy-preserving version of it. So the mechanism is they create, a, um, I think they believe they call it a, to- a voucher. They call it a voucher if you get a match against known material. But you don't instantly get uh, the FBI knocking down your door. You have to have a certain number of these vouchers associated with your account. Then a human will evaluate the matches and make sure that they really are what they purport to be. And only then does the FBI come and kick your door in. And so if you grant that this thing has to exist, they've done a very aptly privacy-preserving version of it, but people are understandably taking objection to is this something that needs to happen in the first place? Man, that's that's like a lot of overhead for what we're talking about. I mean, you're talking hiring people, developing like this. It's a bit crazy, right, for a private company to take this on. But which is why I believe uh, the the claim that it was something that was developed in response to external pressure. Anyway, yeah. fun times for Apple's new director of PR. Uh, apparently, they've got a brand new director of PR this week, uh, Dylan Lerver. I don't know how he pronounces his name. That's how I would pronounce it. Who's a former speechwriter for US President Joe Biden. <laughs> so at least with any luck as a presidential speechwriter, he's been used to some level of pressure, but not bad for a first week at work. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we have this problem. Can you come help us? Um, but probably also to all the um, um, anti-competitive stuff and Monopoly and the App Store. So they probably needed somebody a little um, to craft those messages. They, they've been coming under more more and more of an attack on, on what they're saying. And I think more people, the, the App Store will fall, right? I think that's going to happen. At least people will be given choices. Because I think even though Epic... Oh, man, I hope been, not. And I wonder whether this is a tit-for-tat in that game. They say, look, if your problem is uh, sexually abusive material, we'll we'll throw you a bone and we'll cut the App Store fees. I I agree with you that that has to go. But I really hope they don't complicate things with multiple App Stores. As a manager of multiple iDevices, I would hate that. It would make my life so difficult (laughs) yeah yeah and you were talking about like the um the family like somebody who manages found like i manage the kids account yeah i mean if they want to download an app they need to get approval yeah Uh, i i don't manage screen time but i know parents who do manage screen time so 
I do, and I manage it by application because my child can listen to 12 hours of Harry Potter if that brings him joy while he's playing Legos, but he absolutely can't play the games forever or watch. I mean, there's television on his phone, right? So I'm not letting him right. watch 12 hours of Dino Train, but he can listen to 12 hours of Audible. And um, and Same. so it actually works. It works incredibly well. I like the idea of alerting parents. Actually, that feels to me like a a, a, a it stays in the family. It's right. It it feels to me like the kind of thing that that I'm not sure. And this is my child is eight, so or not even eight. So we have like a a different level of presumption of privacy. Um, and and maybe that'll change when he's 15. But my general sense is that if you're on the on the phone plan and under my roof. I have a certain right to uh, alerting on your behaviors. And to me, having those alerts in place probably will allow me to be more free with the device in general, right? If I can continue to, to have some controls yeah. over the situation, then I actually don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you text all day if I know that you know, something alarming pops up, I'll know about it, right? And, and, yeah. and frankly, any other parent, uh, parents I've known for decades have, have installed third-party apps to sort of solve that problem on their children's devices. And yes, I know everybody sort of hacks around these things over time, but, um, you know, not everybody, not every child, not at every age. I feel less bad about this all happening within a, a family structure than it going to a third party. Yeah, absolutely that. Although, on the other hand, people have pointed out that uh, this could be a problem for queer kids with non-accepting families and the stuff getting flagged to a parent that they would not have wanted to be flagged to a parent. So, again, it's never quite so black and white. It's, that's right. No, that's, that is absolutely fair and true that there's and, and there's children within family structures that are abusive and there's all these other no. all these other elements to it. But um it's not black and white, but I think in that case, you could make an argument that it is it is easier to understand the preponderance of use cases being fine. I guess I would say that. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the majority of use cases and being acceptable. Anyway, that's been a fascinating discussion. I don't think any conclusions were reached whatsoever, <laughs> uh, but I think it's a story that's worth watching uh, as the, you know, the the interweaving of uh, technology and quote unquote real life continues and we have to figure out ways of a understanding these technological services beyond the metaphors with things that we're already familiar with from the physical world and be legislating and regulating whether it's within a family or at the level of governments uh, how these systems are used it's uh, going to be the big topic for certainly the next few decades and there's all sorts of SF, which we can talk about on a separate podcast, exploring, you know, where this might go. Uh, several scenarios. There's a divergence between uh, a faction of humanity that goes back to analog devices that renounces digital systems because they become too intrusive versus ones that go all the way and transcend and become the Borg or what have you. Uh, there's a bone for the Trekkies, Lilac. But with that, thank you all for listening. Uh, someone will be back uh, next week. We will maintain a full service over various holiday times as much as we are possibly able to. Uh, and you can always follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. The theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. Please do send us suggestions for topics and guests for future episodes, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.